Hello and welcome to episode 52 of the Ohio Huntsman podcast. And this week we talked to Mike Swartzentruber from Hunter's Blend Coffee. And we talk about their coffee, of course, and, and what makes it so good. But we also sort of get to hear the origin story of, of why they started this coffee company and how it's more than just putting, you know, a guy with a bow in his hand or, or you know, a set of antlers on a, on a bag of coffee. They do a lot to support hunting and conservation which is way more than you can say for most other coffee companies. They're, they're more likely to be supporting, you know, Humane Society or, or PETA. So they're a coffee company that they're all hunters. They get hunting, they love hunting, and they want to do what they can to support it. And so it was a really interesting conversation. I really enjoyed talking to Mike. Hopefully you guys will enjoy it, and hopefully you'll check out some of their coffee because I can tell you it is good coffee so if you're if you're a coffee drinker if you enjoy a good cup of coffee check them out there'll be a link in the description to all of their stuff their website where you can buy coffee their their social media pages and and all of that so check out hunter's blend and like i said hopefully you enjoy the conversation with mike before we get into that i want to talk about monster whitetail grub so monster whitetail grub is an ohio deer feed and deer mineral company and they try to source everything from Ohio as much as possible, like even down to the packaging. So by supporting Monster Whitetail Grub, you're supporting the Ohio economy. Hunter's Blend is also an Ohio company. They're in Mechanicsburg, Ohio. So we've got a lot of Ohio companies in this one, and we're just trying to do our part to uh, help the Ohio economy. And so Monster Whitetail Grub, like I said, they've got deer feed. They've also got deer mineral. And interestingly enough, I was listening to an episode of the Meat Eater podcast this past week, and they were interviewing um, a guy, an evolutionary biologist by the name of Doug Emlin. He wrote the book Animal Weapons, and he was actually talking about how how bucks go into a state of uh, basically osteoporosis, where they're you know where they've got bone density issues during the rut because they've just used all this mineral to grow antlers. Now they go into the rut; they're not eating a lot. And so it got me thinking about mineral for your deer and how important that can be to keep them in a healthy state from year to year and just keep your deer in your area that we all love to chase healthy. So if you're interested in that, check out Monster Whitetail Grub. There'll be a link in the description and uh, that's the best way to find them. Just hit the link and check out some of their mineral. So with that, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? All right, today on the podcast, we've got Mike Swartzentruber from Hunter's Blend Coffee, and I want to start off by saying thanks to Mike for taking time to uh, come on and talk to us. Mike, can you start off by telling us what it is you do with Hunter's Blend? Well, hey, uh, thanks a lot, Jason. I really appreciate the opportunity that you guys are taking to spend some time. Um, yeah, we. I, I'm involved more with, uh, I guess, maybe communications and some of the marketing side of things. Um, we all kind of work together. It's three brothers-in-law. Um, here in, uh, Paul does the, 
all the importing and roasting and, and all of that day-to-day hands-on. He's the Q grader, um, which we can talk about that later, but it's, it's part of what you need to be able to do to be able to grade coffee, know what you're buying, know how to brew it and that's, or how to, uh, roast it and that sort of thing. And then, uh, yeah, I, I'm involved more with, uh, yeah, some of our partnerships and, and, uh, communicating with people and, um, and uh, this sort of thing. So I always, always enjoy an opportunity like this. So I appreciate it. Awesome. All right. So, um, you touched on a few things there. So, so for people that don't know Hunter's blend, uh, you know, one of your, your slogans on your website is, you know, coffee for hunters by hunters. And, um, you touched a little bit on, you know, grading coffee and things like that. Uh, Tell us, you know, I'm, I'm, we're trying to start this, this podcast thing here and get this up and going. And I'm, you know, I've kind of got that entrepreneurial mindset. Right. And so I always love a good origin story on, on somebody, you know, starting something from nothing. So can you tell us the origin story of, of Hunter's blend, how you guys got started into this? Sure. And you know what? I'm, I'm a lot like you. I'm always intrigued to hear. Yeah. You know, starting where people start from. And when my brother-in-law Paul started doing this, I, 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 years ago, you know, it's, it's going 15, 20 years ago. I was like, you're going to, what? You're going to start buying coffee? Like, what even is that? I mean, we all drink coffee, but just out of thin air, you're going to do this. And I, I didn't even have a concept for it. Right. Um, and that's one of the cool things about a free market system. Like we have here, you, you have the freedom to try, you have the freedom to fail, you have the freedom to try again. And that's, that's, uh, that's a whole other story, but, uh, that's one of the things that makes America great is is the freedom for for people to try. And so the way it all started, Paul was in a missions organization, and a lot of what they did was supporting uh, church work uh, in uh, countries, you know, around uh, Central America, over to Africa, and those types of places. And a lot of them, incidentally, were coffee-growing regions. And a lot of what they did was um, – supported financially some of the work that they did so they'd go down uh, say to Nicaragua and they'd have meetings while those were often held uh, up in the mountains where it's a little bit cooler well that happens to be coffee growing regions and year after year these uh, church leaders would come to them with you know they were a little it it, it was a little hard for them to, to ask but they needed money and they're they're good people it wasn't something they wanted to do but they, they definitely needed money for what they were doing uh, in their church work and things like that. And finally, he he just saw this revolving door that it wasn't, you know, they weren't self-sustaining. And he, finally one year he said, you know, I just paid 13 bucks for 15, whatever, for a bag of Starbucks. And you guys are elbow deep in coffee here. Um, I would think you're flush with cash, you know. Um, and uh, they, they took him to the uh, coffee education <laughs> real quick uh there's you know five to six uh levels of of handlers buyers and sellers between the smaller coffee farmers and uh you know the final destination up here and a lot of those people protect um their sources or uh, or their their outlets so there isn't you know kind of that on entrepreneurial free market um concept wasn't quite as 
maybe forefront or and they didn't have the uh, availability either to just go market their coffee around places uh, these remote farmers um there's a short window from when they pick it to when they have to sell it um and it's not like you can shop it around and uh, you know they're kind of stuck with when the buyer rolls up in his jeep back up this you know road to their their farm and says well here's what we'll pay you and it's you know take it or leave it sometimes so they were kind of beholding number one uh, coffee is a commodity and so the that determines the final price, but then you've got to take out all the cuts that all those middlemen have to take for nobody works for free. So by the time the farmer gets essentially the leftovers, um, Diego, the farmer in Nicaragua that we buy from, uh, one year he had told Paul he's happy, he's he's broke, and you know Paul was like, "Come again?" Well, you know he he was at the end of the year he paid all his debts back, all his workers were paid, and he was even and he was happy. And it's just, yeah, it's just, uh, in some years, clearly they have, they're making money, but there's a lot of years where they're breaking even or even losing money. So, you know, he asked them about fair trade and they just kind of laugh and say, fair for who, um, fair trade Mm -hmm. coffee does what it can. It's trying to do a good thing. Farmers are limited to putting 10% of their coffee into a fair trade program, um, and that fair trade portion on that 10%, it's just a certain premium over top of whatever commodity price is. In a bad year, they might only be breaking even on that 10% and losing money on the 90%. So it's it's very limited. It's taking some money, spreading it super thin over a lot of people, and the farmers don't see much. Uh, yeah, they don't see much impact from that. And then there's a lot of paperwork and stuff that goes along with it. So. Uh, it took a long time. People in the coffee industry told Paul it couldn't really be done buying direct from farmers. It's done a little bit more now. Um, it's still not super common, but it's, I mean, it's being done more. But he was he explained that you're going to have to become a Q grader, and that's kind of like a, you know, a wine taster, but it's, uh, they're, they are uh, trained at grading coffee. That is so that somebody in Portland, somebody in Des Moines, Iowa, and somebody in Orlando, Florida could all taste the same coffee, and they'll come within one or two points of grading it the same. And go ahead. Sorry to interrupt, but when they're grading coffee, are they grading the raw bean, or are they taking the bean, turning it into a liquid product, and grading it at that level? Yeah, so they'll yeah they brew the coffee up and then there's all these different there's ten different profiles that they they taste and feel, you know the fruity and the chocolatey and all these different acidity, all these different um, parts that make up a, a total profile and each one gets a, you know graded on a scale of one to ten. So um, at the end of the day, you've got a seventy five or eighty five or ninety you know grade coffee. So um, you have to know what you're buying. And then you have to know how to um, roast it to get the proper uh, flavor profile out of the coffee. It's a whole science, basically. So he uh, got his Q grade certification and uh, started importing and basically made agreements with the farmers as to what, you know, prices, you know, they can both live with and what, you know, so... The farmers end up doing a whole lot better. Diego was on the verge of losing his farm, and uh, he's now been able to save the farm. He's got 100 people or more that he 
was able to move to full-time, you know, year-round employment for, you know, versus seasonal. Uh, he built a school and a medical center. He's wow. uh, sponsored a lot of church plants. Um, he's just always looking for ways to do things with that extra income. And it's not socialism. It's not a handout. But when you can pay the farmer a premium for producing a premium coffee and you pay him the full amount uh, versus, you know, including what all the middlemen used to get, the, the farmer gets has a whole lot more money. And then when he uh, takes that money, he can spend it in his you know city, go buy tires for his Jeep. And the, the, the guy at the tire store can, you know, go buy batteries for his, his uh, Walkman and, and, and sure. meat from the butcher. And then the butcher can, you know, that money starts to turn over in the village because of, of free market, basically. So it's, um, it's a great, it's a pretty cool story to see how it changed those guys' lives. And then, you know, uh, this is now whatever it is, 15, 20 years later. And, um, the hunters blend origin is both, uh, Nicaraguan and Thailand, um, in Thailand. And again, this wasn't like the intent at the beginning, but um, in one of the visits, uh, the guy that runs the co-op there was a little sheepish uh, when he told Paul that there's about 80 women there sorting beans, and they have employment most of the year. Um, and he said about three-quarters of them were previously away from their families uh, in Bangkok in some form of the sex trade. And when they heard there were jobs at home, they came back to be with their families. They have employment there with dignity. And again, it's not a social program. It's not a handout. It's just free market at work and doing business ethically with other people. And uh, it changed the village. You know, it's it's sure. vibrant. It, it, there's a physical change in the village. And it's jobs bring dignity to people. Uh, we're, I think that's how we're designed to work and care for things. And when, you, when there's an opportunity to do that, uh, it changes people's lives and and then the financially as well when there's money available to to live and and, and provide for yourself um, makes so a big you, difference yeah definitely I have, so a, you said I have a quick was, question and it, yeah. may com- it may completely come out of being 100% ignorant but um, when you are going down I guess and cutting out the middlemen mm-hmm. is there any type of like coffee cartel for lack of a better term that could be you could be upsetting like is it risky are you you know i know down in that area of the world there's a lot of like cartel and whatever like yeah because you're obviously taking money out of their pockets by giving more money to your farmer correct no that's not a it's not a crazy question um there there were times where uh in places where uh they told paul let's just We'll stay stay around the, the house, uh, stay inside during the day. Then then tonight we'll go out and visit where we need to go. There was a there was a little uh, was a little sketchy um, at times in places, not necessarily near all the time and everywhere. But there has been that um, it is the the coffee business is a little can be a little cartelish. Um, so it's not to the degree that maybe it used to be in, in, and in as many places, but it, 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 it can have that vibe. Uh, some places you're a little more careful about those relationships. So yeah, kind of interesting. Yeah, for sure. So you said that was, uh, Mike got his 
his Q grader, like, would you say 15 years ago or so? Uh, that's Paul. I, you know, that's a good question. No, that's fine. I would, I, you know what? I should find out. I don't know when he got it, but it was early on because in order to be able, because what can happen is you can have somebody that'll, and it happens now, people will approach you at a, at, at the coffee meetings, you know, at, at a, at a big trade show or whatever. And Hey, this is our family farm. Here's our beans. We'd love to sell you some. And unless you know the people and can trust them, you don't know that what you get when you buy the container is going to be the same thing that their sample was. There's a lot of trust. uh, And that's the thing. It's a little, it's not super easy. And that was one of the things that the the people advised Paul early on is like, you can't really trust these relationships. And fortunately, um, these relationships were started after years of uh, relationships in the, you know, the mission work and other, uh, other endeavors there was a establishment of trust um, beforehand, before the the coffee business started. So um, that, but yes, that was early on where he had to get his uh, Q grade certification so that he knew what he was buying and and uh, be able to know what to pay for it and then also how to roast it up and stuff. So okay. yeah. So was the idea from the start to? to do a hunter's blend or was he just interested in, you know, starting this coffee business and, and helping these people out in, in places like Nicaragua. Um, and the, and the hunter's blend idea came later or, or was that part of the, part of the foundation of this business? No, that came later. In fact, originally the thought was just to bring, be the middleman, just to bring, not the middleman, but be the importer, buy direct from the farmers and then sell it wholesale up here. Um, you know, and then, um, along the way he started, that's when he decided to start roasting, um, himself. And then it was really, it's maybe, it's not that many years ago, five years ago where he had the ideas, uh, you know what, there's not really a coffee being marketed to the the hunting community. I'm going to do this hunter's blend. And it's, it's actually my my favorite uh, of all the coffee that they import. It's the way, the way the blend is put together. I just it's it's really smooth. It's fairly dark, but still very smooth. And um, that's where kind of we stumbled across this thing hiding in plain sight. And that is, in our experience, um, most importers, the coffee importers, tend to be located in places like Seattle, Portland, San Francisco. Um, there's a tendency to, to view the world very differently than those of us in the flyover states sure. and in the hunting community in the country, rural way of life, um, with discretionary income that they have, it's probably not going to support, you know, white tails unlimited or RMEF or somebody like that. They're more likely to have a Peter PETA sticker on their car. I would, I would, if I was going to put my money on it. So <laughs> it's just, a, you know, it's, if, well, if you think about it, if you go to a coffee shop in a big city, um, you know, in your hunting gear and you think about how do I feel right now? Do I, do how yeah. well do I fit in? And the import business can be, uh, and this is, this is a generality. Um, but, but it is, it is the, it is a general way things are. That's, that's kind of what you see on the, uh, import side as well. So it's kind of like discovering, you know what, hiding here in plain sight, you know what, this is a, a hunter friendly, um, coffee we've eliminated just because of the model. There's no middlemen that are going to be working against hunting, let's say. You know, even if you're a hunter-friendly or 
Second Amendment friendly company. If you're, you know, if you're stuck buying from an importer that maybe isn't, you know, uh, it's great that the retail side is hunter friendly. And, and that's where we realized that, you know what, on the import side, this is hunter friendly just by default. And then we support, uh, uh, just got a communication today from somebody involved with NWTF. We like to support um, those organizations as well um, and on the positive side. So um, after he, after Paul had started Hunter's Blend, then he approached uh, my other brother-in-law, Ken, and I about, and our wives. So us three couples are involved in the Hunter's Blend coffee, um, you know, as a separate brand and marketing that to the to the hunting community it's like you know we have our own hunting gear our own high-tech gear we don't have to go to a camping store that's notorious for supporting you know animal rights or yeah. animals first you know uh, organizations you know we have our own hunting gear and it's like you know why why you know why don't we have our own coffee as well for those that want to they can buy a really top shelf coffee that has eliminated the potential for it to do harm against hunting and in fact uh, actively helps hunting and it's it's a top shelf uh it's more than sticking a, a set of deer antlers on onto a, a random coffee bag it's it's actually is a hunting coffee if you want to call it that so a, a couple things i want to touch on there um so you guys sent us a bag of this stuff and i can i can vouch for the top notch right so I did a little um, blind taste test with my my wife, right? We we had Hunter's Blend coffee. I thought, wow, this is, you know, this is really good coffee. And then a couple days went by, and I swapped it out with our old coffee, and I didn't tell her. Yeah. And so, you know, we got up in the morning, and she could tell right away. She's like, this isn't Hunter's Blend. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. You could tell. Yeah. So it is it is good coffee. We, we enjoyed it good. quite a lot. Good. Yeah, um, and you don't have to be a coffee aficionado or a coffee snob. Um, a lot of us don't think of ourselves as that way, but when you do, like you said, when you get a really good coffee beside just a very average one, um, you can tell the difference. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to I want to touch on the organizations that that you support. So, cause I saw on your, on your website, the different hunting organizations that you support. Mm -hmm. And I, I really like seeing that, right. That's another plus for me. Yeah. So can you sort of expand on that a little bit? Like what, what is it that you guys are doing with people like sportsman's Alliance or whitetails unlimited? Right. You, know, you mentioned national wild Turkey foundation. Like what are you guys doing there? In a lot of cases, we're donating uh, to them for their auctions, um, things like that, where we can, um, you know, if we donate product and they're, they're, uh, uh, they get to auction it off for, sure. okay. for uh, financial, you know, you know, at their, at their uh, fundraisers and things like that. The, the one that we're really, I guess, I don't know if you'd call it our flagship, uh, the organization that we really want to help promote as much as possible. Um, is Sportsman's Alliance. They're kind of like the NRA for hunting. Um, you know, you've got all your habitat and animal, uh, you know, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Wild Turkey, you know, uh, Whitetails Unlimited that are either working, you know, for po population numbers or um, habitat. And those are all good. What Sportsman's Alliance does is, you know, if you lose your right to hunt, 
elk numbers in turkey habitat really don't matter a whole lot if you can't hunt them. Right. And so what Sportsman's Alliance does, and we just really appeal, we're all members ourselves, but um, we really make an appeal for people to check them out. Uh, it's Sportsman's Alliance, M-E-N-S Alliance. And what they do is they, they monitor uh, proposed less legislation. This spring, there was over 500 pieces of legislation they were keeping an eye proposed legislation that they were keeping an eye on. They try to educate the public uh, so that the public can comment to lawmakers and get involved before it, it becomes an actual piece of legislation. Um, because the, the sooner we get involved on that, those, that curve, the better off we are. And so what, what the antis do is they don't very often, sure, you have your PETAs and people like that that are very out in the open, but Humane Society USA is probably a, a real good example. They're the ones that have the, the uh, uh, you know, in the eyes of the angels, you know, commercials on TV, the, the little yeah. sad puppy kitty, you know, send 30 bucks a month in. And, and mm -hmm. well-meaning people want to, you know, you feel bad. Okay, you send in your money. Well, Less than 1% of their money goes to your local humane so, uh, society. Basically, none. It all goes to le uh, legislation, lobbyists, activists, lawyers that are fighting. It's, it's an animal's first uh, organization. It's not, it's not about protecting dogs and cats. It's about ending hunting. And their, their previous um, uh, uh, president, I mean, that was he, he – I mean, he, he – that's, he said that's what his goal, their goal is, to end hunting. And right. so they're not going to say that out front because people become aware and then they, they try to, uh, you know, pay attention to that. So if you come in and, like a wolf in sheep's clothing, um, you know, who's, who's against, you know, trying to take that stray cat in or that, that poor dog that's, you know, you know, needing some help or whatever. So, you know, that's, that's how they get people. Um, the other thing that, that, that they're notorious for is – is putting is humanizing the animal, you know, the, the big, you know, cuddly grizzly bear. Well, yep. not a lot cuddly about them in real life, but or the wolf, <laughs> you know, there's certain things that that's just uh, for some reason the public will is is easily attracted to, and and uh, and so they if you humanize the animal, um, it makes it, you know, so they'll they'll do things like. Uh, this spring, the big thing, and I don't know if you saw it on different social media, but the big move with a lot of uh, proposed legislation was to ban predator hunting contests. So if you think about, of all the hunters, how many people, let's say, for example, hunt coyotes? Well, it's it's a smaller percentage. You know, it's not near everybody. Right. And then how, how many people uh, participate in a coyote hunting contest? Well, the reason for those coyote hunting contests is to try to help manage that population. But again, that's an even smaller sector of the population. So rather than these uh, organizations going after, you know, hey, we're going to ban all hunting. Oh, all the hunters would be up in arms. If you go after coyote hunting contests, first of all, most people don't do that. So they don't really care. And there's, you know, it kind of, it slips by. And what it is, it's death by a million cuts or a right. frog, in, frog in hot water. So they don't go after they're, they just nip around the edges and try to fray, and they do. Every year there's just more and more fraying of our, our freedom to hunt. And so that's what, long story to say, that's what um, Sportsman's Alliance does is shed light on 
on what's going on out there in uh, in trying to get the public involved. And that's that's one thing we can all do if we can become more educated on what hunting does. I mean, hunting is conservation. That's who that's who that's why our, our deer and elk and turkey numbers are the highest in recorded history is because of the North American model of conservation. Um, it's been, you know, the estimates are anywhere from one and a half to two and a half billion dollars a year is what hunting contributes to conservation. Yep. And so that's who, and I'll probably preaching to the choir here. If we all though learn to talk, um, in an educated way with our friends and neighbors, um, then when a uh, proposed piece of legislation comes to the ballot box, if we've had a, a, a logical conversation with them and explain to them, you know, like uh, Ted Nugent's so good at, he'll talk about how what hunting does is, you know, of course, the Department of Natural Resources or whoever it is in the state uses hunting to help manage the excess population. You, you harvest the excess population to, to make room for the next generation so that you keep the herd and in, in the, uh, you know, the numbers in balance with the food sources and, and uh, all those other things. Mm-hmm. It's actually part of the plan. And when you do it properly, um, it, there's this harmony that exists. And so we're actually um, protecting and, and uh, stewarding a resource and the more we can, you know, whatever it is, maybe 10%, 20% of the people might be avid anti-hunters in, what is it? Is it 6%, I think, of the population that are hunters? Yeah, we're, I think so. Yeah, we're in the vast minority. And that's the other thing. We can't afford to, you know, I can't be stabbing somebody in the back because they they use a different implement than I do that I don't agree with. I mean, after a while... You know, it's the guy that, you know, the bow guy, you know, not, knocks down the guy who shoots, you know, longer distance with a rifle and then the, or the, you know, the crossbow or whatever. Well, then pretty soon it's the, only the traditional bow. Well, after a while, the only, you know, these, the people that go on their ranch, after a while, the only guy who's an actual hunter is he's out there in a loincloth and a homemade spear. <laughs> you know, come on. It's, yeah. We're all on the same team. And I don't have to like how somebody else hunts, if, but if it's legal, if it's in um, according to the local game laws, they're following the regulations. We have to support each other. So yep. we, we can't afford to stab each. If we stab each other in the back, PETA doesn't even have to get out of bed in the morning. Right. And so, um, if if that's the one thing, if we can stay unified, support each other, doesn't mean we can't have a difference of opinion and and try to in you know help each other mm-hmm. see things a different way. That's that's great, but. We're on the same team, and then if we can have a, a good conversation with somebody who doesn't understand what hunting is about, we're not a bunch of goobers out there, you know, on the back of a pickup just firing indiscriminately with an automatic weapon at something and laughing and watching it lay there and cut right. the horns off. That's, you know, we don't do that. Um, we're har- We're ethically harvesting an animal, sometimes there's a nice set of antlers attached, which we get to appreciate as well. Sometimes it's, but it's always the meat is always there. Yeah. Um, you know, then when there is a piece of legislation proposed, the, the general public, the whatever, 80% of people that are neither an anti-hunter nor a hunter themselves, but they can be swayed either way. If you've had a, if I've had a decent conversation with them before, and when they go to the ballot box, they can say, you know what, 
I don't hunt, but it, I, you know, Joe up the street, he, that makes sense. And I don't think it, I don't think we should outlaw bear hunting in our state that, that these guys are doing a good thing. Um, we're, that's the, I think that's the only way we can try to win this thing is by having those kind of healthy conversations with people. But anyways, that's a lot of what, uh, uh, Sportsman's Alliance does is gives us the ammunition, not the ammunition, but the awareness of what's going on so that we can get involved before it's too late. Um, yeah. So I just really encourage people to check them out and, and uh, consider becoming a member and supporting them. And and because uh, that's whatever you hunt, uh, it like I said, it doesn't matter um, if you have the habitat or the numbers, if, if they outlaw that hunting, then... You know, so that's that's really they're like the guys down in the foundation. I used to pump concrete years ago, and you know, them rainy days, you're down there in the slogging around in the footers, and it's muddy and it's down <laughs> below grade, and you know, nobody's yeah. ever going to see that. But if you yeah. don't have the foundation, you don't have a house, and so yeah. that's what Sportsman's Alliance does. And uh, well, sorry, I'm, I'm, sorry, I got a little little sidetrack from coffee. No, there. <laughs> that's perfect. That's perfect because I'm so glad to hear that, right? Because I think historically, you know, hunters, we've not been good at the legislative side, right? We just want to right. be left alone and go right. sit in the woods and do our own thing, right? And, and, right? But like you said, if we, you can't just kind of ignore all of that and then one day wake up and go, oh, they passed, I can't do this anymore. They passed legislation. I didn't even, I wasn't even aware, right? Correct. And and so we're actually working um we've, we've been communicating with sportsman's Alliance to get them on the podcast. And, you know, we're, we're just trying to get schedules lined up and oh, great. To, to, yeah, to talk about some of the things that they're, they're doing and, and some of that legislative work and, you know, like right here locally, right. You talked about that funding mechanism and, and hunters are conservation. You know, we're going to see this, uh, tag increase here in the fall, the price increase on, on deer tags. And, while it's a bummer to have to pay more, you know, I, I keep trying to remind people like that money is going to fund the division of wildlife and, and support all of this stuff that we love to do. Right. And yeah, so it's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? It, it's, it's actually a good thing that they're, they, you know, hopefully we're going to see some, some good things come out of that. And yeah. So, you know, and like you said, I think sometimes we can be our, our own worst enemies with, you know, crossbow versus compound bow right gun hunter versus archery you know it's we're all on the same team right or we, or we need to be well and sometimes we don't understand you know guys in the southeast use dogs i don't you know i've never done that i've right. you know i but i'm here in the midwest well like you well we hunt over food plots well there's some places who think that's not even hunting you know, it's it's just uh, and I hey hats off to the guys, you know, up in the northeast who track for miles up in the Adirondacks in the snow mm -hmm. just to try to get. I mean, that's yeah, that's that is some hunting or, you know, out west, the spot and stock. I mean, that's that's amazing. Um, you know, but some places you, you know, can hunt over corn. Sometimes you can't in Texas. That's about the only way you can hunt. Um, right. It's just it's different by region. And that's fine. You know, as long as it's legal in that area, let's, yeah, we're all on the same team. Hey, I want to pause here for a quick second and talk about one of our sponsors, which is Mastin's Deer Sense. So they're a premium scent product company, 
And one of the scents that I'm really excited about using this fall, they call Buck Reaper. So it's got scents from five different glands on a buck, which I'm, I'm really intrigued by and I'm, I'm really excited about using this fall. Some of the other scents they have are called Fighting Mad, which is, a, a, they call it a dominant buck urine, which is ideal for early season hunting. Fighting Mad with Tarsal, so they add the tarsal gland scent, which makes it ideal for rut hunting. They've got a full estrus scent, and then they've got more of like a cover scent. They call they just call smell like a deer. So pretty interesting lineup of, of liquid scents. Then they've also got their double scent stack. They've got scent crystals. A lot of interesting products that I've, I've not seen many other places. So check them out. Mastinsdeersense.com and uh, hopefully helps you get onto some deer this fall. Now back to the show. I want to, uh, we've covered a lot of good ground already, but I want to talk a little bit about your guys's coffee, right? We, we touched a little bit on it. And yeah. uh, so let's go through the, the coffee process a little bit, right? So so Paul goes and grades beans or, or buys beans and he's looking for the highest quality beans he can get, I'm assuming, or, or what is he looking for when he's picking beans? Well, there's a, there is a sliding, not about a sliding scale, but there's a, there's a, it's a little bit like the Richter scale for, for earth, uh, earthquakes. When you go say from an 86 to an 87 coffee or an 87 to an 88 it doesn't sound like much, but each one of those numbers, it, it really jumps up in cost a lot. Okay. Uh, so it's like an exponential. Like a, it is. And so a 90-grade coffee is super expensive. There's not even a lot of 90-grade coffee out there. And especially to buy it, a lot of times that'll be blended in with something else. So they can kind of get the flavor profile, but they blend it with a cheaper coffee to um, get the cost down. So they kind of straddle both both sides there so okay. uh, so there's a there is a you can get as good a, co- a high grade of coffee as you want depends what you want to pay for it so this is uh, the uh, Nicaraguan coffee scores out at 85 to 86 in the Thailand which is the other that's in in our uh, coffee that's uh, 86 to 87 so um, together, I mean, those are, that puts it in the top 6% of, of coffee, uh, just by comparison. So it, it okay. is a high grade coffee, but then it still comes down to flavor, uh, preferences and how it's roasted. So even if it, it doesn't, not necessarily everybody's going to like every high grade of coffee because they all have their different, uh, profiles and, and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. The, the Hunter's Blend, the original roast is a kind of a medium to, it's a, the dark side of a medium roast. It's pretty bold, but it's, it's a far cry from being uh, burnt uh, or, or, you know, that bitter. It's still very smooth. That's probably the number one comment we hear. We have a lot of people that'll tell us, you know what, I don't use creamer anymore. Well, that's the, that's the biggest compliment you could give us because creamers used to, cover up the crummy taste of crappy coffee and so <laughs> it's uh and, and it becomes its own even with good coffee some people want to put creamer in because they yeah. just like it and that's fine i mean there's no problem with that but it's just you don't have to hide a bitter uh sharp aftertaste uh and then our our uh 
black powder coffee is is just a is about as dark as we can make it without getting into that more burnt um, uh, charred taste. It's it's very. I drink the original roast, but um, there's a lot of people though that do like the the black powder. It's it's pretty dark, but again, it's without being that burnt uh, kind of charred. So we have other, you know, ideas. There's, there, you know, it's where you, there's always um, stuff to work on, and you know, you don't know which some days which 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 end is up. But um, there's there's a, uh, you know, we'll we're working on other, you know, like a eventually there'll be uh, probably a lighter roast, breakfast roast, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's funny, a lighter roast. We all think naturally most of us think that the darker the coffee the more caffeine but actually the the longer you roast it the caffeine uh goes down so a lighter roast actually has more caffeine in it oh interesting it, yeah it, but it doesn't it's not as as bold of a of a taste you know okay. so yeah so, so yeah so you know we've talked about medium roast dark roast mm-hmm. light roast what like, what are you changing in the? Because you're you're roasting the beans, right? They're so right. They're they're going through some kind of a change. Is it is it a? You're roasting it longer, I think you said, or is it is there a temperature difference? Like, what what kind of levers can you pull to affect the end flavor profile of the of the coffee? Well, that's yeah, that's. Um, <laughs> that's the million dollar question. So you can you can you can start the coffee at a low temperature, the roasting and gradually increase it. And basically is, you know, in a, in a straight line, just over time, over time until it finally reaches the, the peak temperature and you leave it there so long and then drop it down. You can take it up quickly and then drop it down, or you can take it gradually up. And then towards the end, you, you jump that temperature up. There's all there's all, and that's that we pretty quickly get over my head when we're talking about, all of those techniques. That's sure. part of what Paul does in uh, in developing the, the best way to roast a bean to get the best flavor out of it or the flavor that he's looking for. And so he'll experiment with different, um, if you want to call it a program. And then once he finds out what is best for that coffee, then that's that becomes the way he roasts that coffee. Okay. But the funny thing is, you know, the beans will... Uh, green beans will um, they're good for quite a long time a year or two but the lot you know if they've sat the longer they set then that also changes a little bit how they should get roasted so it's a little bit of a um, you know it's something to stay on top of over time not just put it on autopilot either um, so it's a there's a there's actually quite a bit to once once the once the roasting, let's just call it program, is designed, for the most part, it stays pretty constant. But again, like I said, the longer the beans are in the warehouse, then that can change a little bit. But it's all of those things, what you just said, the temperature, the the rate of, that it's increased, and when in the roasting process. Okay. Yeah. So it's, I'm going to make a, a, a sort of a comparison. It seems like on the front end, coffee... It, there's a lot of parallels to wine in mm-hmm. that, you know, th- there's a lot of 
the flavor that comes from the raw product. It, you know, in coffee, it's the coffee beans. In wine, it's the grapes. But then the roasting process sounds more similar to like the because Jacob and I have done some some home brewing, and you know, there's there's you can play with your your um, brewing temperatures and things and, and you're going to extract more sugars or less sugars or you know you can do things with the temperature and how long mm-hmm. you know and, and, it, and it changes the the end product so you, it sounds like you get a little bit of you know like the the wine connoisseur grating the, the beans mm-hmm. on the front and then you can play around with the roasting profile and and affect the the flavor that way for the finished product yeah that's exactly right Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. So, um, another thing I was hoping you could help us out with because I've, uh, I guess I could probably Google this, but we've got you on the phone here. So, yeah. Can, what's the difference between coffee and espresso? Are, are they different, physically different beans, or is it is it the processing of the bean that makes coffee versus espresso? Yeah, it's more of a process, or it's a, uh, it's a. Uh, more of a method of preparing coffee. So uh, espresso is, is you can use different beans. I guess technically you could probably make any bean into an espresso, but I think typically it's darker, but it's, um, it's super finely ground, very finely ground. And then it's packed into a little uh, device and then uh, high pressure water is forced through the grounds. And then it, it's extracted in more of a concentrated amount. It's pretty, it's a lot more intense um, and then that's why a lot of times you'll, you'll get a shot of that into your coffee, um, versus necessarily, uh, you know, or, or a lot more, uh, you know, uh, you'll, you'll automatically, a lot of people would put then a lot of uh, cr- more cream in with it, you know, or milk, whatever. Um, uh, it's, yeah, it's just a different way of preparing the coffee basically. Okay. Yeah. So I, I've got a, a little bit of a funny story with, with espresso. So I had, um, this was quite a number of years back. I was, I was in New York for a, um, a work trip and my, at that time, you know, my boss was, was much more into coffee than I was. And and we went into some little coffee shop in, in New York city and like, it was wedged between two buildings. You could almost stretch your arms out and touch either wall. You know, it was this little place and we went in there and, and he ordered a, um, a cafe Americano, which I didn't know what that was, but I learned after the fact that it's just, I I think it's just espresso and water. It's, it's basically like coffee, but it's with espresso and right. And, uh, I believe that's right. Yep. I said, Oh, you know, this is, pretty good but uh, man did that thing light me up yeah <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know what i was ordering you know i said eh, i'll take what he's having you know and right yeah it did uh i i looked it up afterwards i said oh okay now i know what that was <laughs> right yeah i think it's um essentially yeah it's watered down it's espresso more or less and to kind of come up with a basic more of a brewed cup of coffee um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm probably like you. I, I typically will just get a cup of coffee if I'm somewhere, if I'm yeah. on the road driving and I, 
need a little something, something extra, then I'll get a shot of espresso in the regular coffee just to get yeah that ca- caffeine content up sure. there. But um, I'm pretty pretty straightforward. Normally, just drink a black cup of coffee myself. Yep. Yep. Okay. So we covered the roasting process. Uh, you've got your you know your your sort of original roast and you've got the black powder roast do you guys cuz i'm at this um stage in my life you know i'm i'm very much about simplifying things you know amazon prime right. all that sort of thing do mm-hmm. you, do you guys offer a subscription model where where people can sign up and just you, you'll automatically deliver coffee to them monthly or or whatever do you have yeah. a, a system like that yeah, we do. We have a subscription which gives you a discount, and then you can set up how much and how often that you want that. It's pretty, it's pretty um, manageable for the for the customer to, and they can change it along the way. You know how they okay. uh, how they want to receive it. So, in other words, the, the frequency or or what's coming in the shipment that's that can always they can adjust that as they go. So. Um, some people, right, they get it monthly, weekly, you know, just whatever setup that they want to, where it's automatic. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jake, Jeff, do you guys have questions? I've been, I've been uh, sort of monopoli- monopolizing his time here. Yeah, I have a few questions about the, the product line. Um, I know with a lot of these high-end coffee um, distributors, um, you, you have to buy, you know, your coffee in bean form. Do you sell both bean and ground or just beans? We, we sell it both. Um, bean or, yeah, whole bean ground. We also have the K-Cups, which is not a traditionally highbrow coffee, you know, but there's just more and more people like the convenience of K-Cups. And uh, so we, we sell it in all three. I You know what? I, I used to get it in bean, and even though I'm – you know, I suppose people might think I would automatically use whole bean. I just like the convenience of ground, so I, I do it ground myself. Um, it starts to lose a little bit of its freshness once you grind it, how long it's going to last on the shelf. It'll last a lot longer whole bean than it will ground. So, you know, you, that's your freshest coffee. If you do get it whole bean, grind it, and then put it in your brewer right away. But it's... Mm-hmm. I don't know. For me, there's a happy medium with convenience. So it's right. to each their own, I guess. But yeah, we sell it both ways. Yeah. And you can just use your normal drip coffee pot to make Hunter's Blend? Yeah, that's what I do. I got a lot of you know friends and stuff that love the French press and, and all of that, yeah, I, it, which is great. You know, I just, <laughs> yeah, I'm almost 53. I think I'm, I just like it easy. I just put it in the dripper and, and, Drip brewer and and uh, just yeah that's that's, that's how I'm, yeah that's how that's I do where it. I'm at man I set the <laughs> I set the timer on the coffee pot the night before it's ready when I get up I, right I'm just yep. easy make it easy <laughs> that's yeah for me that's where the benefit is but it's yeah everybody likes their own way of doing things and that's no problem yeah yeah we're a um, couple things we're working on is uh, we a grind it would basically be a grind that would allow us to pr- to package it in individual packets for people to use for backpacking and then it would be made almost a little bit more like cowboy coffee where you, you all you need is hot water let it settle out and you'd, you'd have a really good we're 
that just takes some time of getting the grind right and the packaging. So then okay. there's just always a laundry list of stuff. I, I was hoping we'd have that ready to roll out by now for, you know, fall for people going out West backpacking, you know, elk trips or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Oh, you know, some, we'll get to it some point. So that, that was one of the things I wanted to ask you. So, you know, like what, what's new, what's coming down the line for Hunter's Blend? So you, you mentioned those, uh, sort of single serve packs for, you know, in the back country and you mm-hmm. mentioned the, you know, you guys are maybe working on a light roast. Yep. Is there anything else that you guys sort of have coming down the line here? Well, way down the line, uh, uh chocolate or, uh, cocoa beans are growing in the same pack. Um, uh, Diego, the, our, the, the Hunter's Blend is about two-thirds Nicaraguan, and uh, Diego is probably our longest-standing, you know, relationship. Um, he's just a good guy. Uh, in fact, if anybody wants to see his story, if they go to huntersblendcoffee.com and click on video, there's a documentary of his story, which is just really amazing. Um, he had moved his family to Canada, um, you know, living that lifestyle and he felt like he was supposed to go back to the family farm and take it over and he didn't really want to go and and he did and and it was it was tough he, they nearly lost it the, the banking system down there's horrific i mean 35 percent interest i mean just oh wow oh just like corrupt you know yeah and uh there's multiple miracles along the way of 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 them saving the farm it's it's a really you know you you have a bad day you watch that story and and you're uh you're having a better day uh (laughs) it's just really cool but anyways he grows he he also has grows cocoa beans so that's uh paul is actually messing with that um you know it's you roast them and grind and melt it down and you know to make chocolate in uh long t- that's down the road so but hopefully okay. someday we'll have our own chocolate line and you know you can uh, you know there's always chocolate covered beans and hot chocolate my mom had a uh she's passed away but had a really really good hot chocolate mix and uh i any any store-bought hot chocolate just every time i make it it's i mean it's good but it just doesn't compare to yeah that and so yeah those are some things long term hopefully okay. we'll we'll have on have you know to offer so because it's statistically around two-thirds of the people drink coffee and so um most of the other third probably drink chocolate milk but a lot of coffee drinkers drink you know a lot of who doesn't like chocolate milk hot chocolate so <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i haven't run into anybody that doesn't like it yeah so yeah yeah so okay. yeah, there's always uh, stuff like that. Um, it's just uh, we used to farm out our uh, K cup process. That machine's pretty expensive, but uh, anyways, we're, we're doing that in house now. So that'll actually is helping us make a better K cup product than what we could get before. So those are just starting to go out, and uh, yeah, always something. Awesome. So you mentioned it there briefly, but, but where, if people are interested in trying your coffee or so what's your website, where, where do they go if they want to buy your coffee? And then if they want to follow you on social media, cause you guys post some, some funny things to your, I know I've seen some funny things on your Instagram page yeah. and things. So yeah, thanks. Yeah. All our social media is 
uh, under Hunter's Blend, and uh, that's on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And then our website is huntersblendcoffee.com. And on there, you can see a little bit about our story. Um, you see all the different products. You can learn about you know the direct trade model. And there's there's a little study in there from a, out of a coffee industry magazine about uh, fair trade coffee. Not knocking them. It's just the reality of the end the end uh, result to the farmer being pretty minimal in a lot of cases. Um, you know, we're not changing the world, but we can help change the world for a few farmers in their communities. And it's not something that we're doing. It's just through this relationship. Um, it's been able to do that. And then, um, yeah, you can get our, uh, get all our, uh, different coffee on there. And, and then we have gear, t-shirts, hats, um, kind of have a theme on a couple of t-shirts I like my coffee black and the tea in the harbor. We're all pretty red-blooded <laughs> Americans and thankful for for our freedom. And so it, it kind of keys on that. There's a letter John Adams wrote to his wife, and he said, uh, tea must be universally renounced. I must be weaned, and the sooner the better. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's the slogan on the back of the shirts. And then the front is uh, one of them is an old flag, and the other one is a uh, is a great seal of the United States, but there's a cup of coffee in that seal too, just to kind of tweak it a little bit. So, okay. um, but we got um, all that uh, coffee and gear on there. It's yeah, huntersblendcoffee.com. Okay, we'll put uh, we'll be sure to put links to all of that in the show notes so people can find it easy and and follow you guys and check you out. So great. All right. Well. Mike, I want to thank you for, uh, like I said, taking time to talk to us, and uh, good luck with all everything that you guys are doing. I, I really like, the, I think this is a great conversation, and, and I really like the things that you guys are doing in the coffee space for the, you know, for these farmers that you guys are, are helping to support in those communities, as well as what you guys are doing for the hunting community, so keep up the good work. Well, I appreciate it, Jason, and uh Jake and Jeff, just appreciate the opportunity to chat a little bit. And uh, it's always good to talk to fellow Ohioans. And hope you have yeah. all, uh, have guys all have a, a good, you all hunt like close to home up there? Yep. Yeah, generally. And you're in really good country. Well, we are, I mean, most of Ohio really yeah. is pretty <laughs> Yeah, and then we, we do have a... We do have a hunting cabin down in southeast Ohio, like uh, Wayne National Forest, down down that way. So oh, okay. we go down there. Yeah. yeah. What what county? Washington. Oh yeah, that's over by. Uh, yeah, I know where you're at. Yeah. Yeah, by by Marietta there down yeah. that way. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, nice yeah. country down there. Yep. Yeah. Well, so, good luck this year. Hope you guys do well. Yeah, you too. Thank you. All right. Take care. See you guys. And there you have it. I want to thank Mike for taking time to talk to us. Like I said, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I thought it went really well. And uh, just think about some of your, your buying decisions going forward. You know, that, that's one thing that I took away from this is the the non-hunting products that you buy, you may be inadvertently supporting anti-hunting organizations. So just think about that kind of stuff and... Uh, Check out Hunter's Blend if you're looking for a coffee company that that supports conservation and supports hunting. Some updates from us. Website is live, ohiohuntsman.com, so we're we're always going to be posting new stuff there. 
One really cool thing is our decals, our our home decals, and our Ohio Huntsman decals are live on the website, so you can go there and buy them. Check those out. We've got a lot of interest in those and, and pretty excited about having those ready for you guys to check out. So without further ado, I guess if you guys enjoyed this, one other quick announcement, I guess, is if you enjoyed this, share it with your friends, take a screenshot of the episode share it to your social media make sure you tag us and that way we know that you enjoyed it we can repost it and uh helps get the word out so hopefully you guys are getting ready for deer season it's just around the corner i know i'm got a little bit of anxiety because i feel like i got a ton of stuff to do and and not a lot of time to do it one nice thing is jacob and i did go to a a really nice public archery range close to our houses here on Friday, this past Friday, and uh, shot our bows for a while and stretched them out to 60 yards, which was fun. So hopefully, like I said, you guys are doing some of the same things, spending time with your bow, getting some last things kind of tweaked and tuned and getting ready for season to open up here in uh, not too many more weeks. So with that, uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>